sometimes scarier than specters and rumors is the false hope that hovers over us. When the reality doesn't match expectations, but there's still a belief that things can turn around. False hope has led ships into the Bermuda Triangle and Cleveland Browns fans into Super Bowl dreams. The problem, of course, is when the false hope leads to a nightmare. You're about to enter this realm. Welcome to the Denver's. Hi, and welcome to the Denverse. I am Derek. Quinn is out on assignment in New York City this week, and I'm recording alone here, but uh, Aaron Davidson's going to join us in a little bit to talk about the Rockies. But first, let's head back to Green Bay just to talk about the 0-3 Denver Broncos. On Sunday, the Broncos traveled to Green Bay and lost to the Packers 27-16, to The game was actually tied 10-10 before the Broncos completely fell apart early in the third quarter. They were down 24-10 and never really could catch up. The highlight of the day was Philip Lindsay, who had uh, 21 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns and four receptions for 49 yards. Um, Otherwise, pretty unspectacular day from the offense, even though they got those two touchdowns from Lindsay. And the defense really was unimpressive again. They had no sacks, no forced turnovers, which means they're the first team in NFL history to start 0-3 in the categories of getting sacks and turnovers, too. Uh, No team has ever not had at least one of of those two categories over three games during the season. Um, After the game, Broncos um, players and coaches were pretty... Uh, optimistic about how things were going considering that they're 0 and 3 and only like 2% of teams make the playoffs if they're 0 and 3. They were talking about the signs that things are getting better and seem to think that things can really turn around. I've seen some talk over the last couple of days about maybe the Broncos could win the next 3 games and go uh 3 and 3. I've seen the the next 3 games are winnable games and let's just run over that real quick because to me that's kind of a Ridiculous notion. So the first game coming up this Sunday is kind of the must-win game for the Broncos. They're going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 1-2 and two, but have shown signs of life despite losing uh, their quarterback, Nick Foles, Super Bowl champion, um, in the first game of the season. Uh, Gardner Minshew is their quarterback, and people really love him. Uh, he kind of looks like Baker Mayfield um, with a mustache. And oh, he went to East Carolina before transferring to Washington State, and then was pretty good at Washington State. I think, you know, this is the must-win of the three for the Broncos just because the other two look harder than this game, although the Tennessee Titans, who had a great first game with Marcus Mariota, are also 1-2. and They're the game in three weeks, and that game will also be at home. So those are their two home games. And then they have at the Chargers, which is usually a home game for the Broncos because the Chargers are still playing in that soccer stadium. And a lot of Broncos fans either live there or travel there because who doesn't want to go to a soccer stadium in Los Angeles um, as they're waiting for the Kroenke Empire L.A. Stadium to be built. Um, One interesting thing about this is that this has been reported before, but the Chargers have had a hard time getting uh, people to buy tickets to the new stadium. And so there's a chance that the 
L.A. Chargers that everyone still calls the San Diego Chargers may not actually end up staying in L.A. because you have to be able to buy, sell at least your premium boxes, and they're not doing that very well. So we'll see. I keep saying that they're going to move to San Antonio. I have no idea if that's possible. It was a place for the Raiders, so it be interesting to see if that happens. Um, other than that, you know, after that, the Broncos are home for the Chiefs and then at the Colts, so... Those are your next five games. They're 0-3. To even have a shot at making the playoffs this year, or even really a 500 record, they probably need to be 4-4 four and four after that stretch um, because it's not like it gets a lot easier from there. But there are a lot of things going on with this team that I just don't quite understand. The coaching staff has not really shown much inspiration. Late in that Green Bay game, they weren't. they were down two scores and they weren't pushing hard to try to uh, get scores. They need, needed time on the clock, and they were just sort of moving along. They only took two big shots down the field um, that you know actually gained plays, and that's one of the things they have to do because they have no offensive line, so they've got to figure out how to maneuver around that. And the defense just looks completely inept at this point. I understand that you know it's a new system and that they shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't expect everything to come together. But Von Miller continues to look invisible. And it's not just that he isn't making the plays. It's that he doesn't look ready from the from the time the ball is snapped. We're used to Von jumping off sides at times because he is so ready. He is not timing his counts. He's not beating guys. He just doesn't look like the same guy. And that, at some level, has to be on the coaching staff. So I, I don't really know what to do. It doesn't seem like the things they're doing are working. I've been talking to some people, and they're like, you know, it's early. But to me, the problem is just a lack of talent across the board. Emmanuel Sanders has been by far their best receiver, but if you're looking at, you know, receiving cores of the last few years, Emmanuel Sanders is not at the level he was when they had Demarius Thomas. He was, you know, the best receiver when there were two guys. But now they just have him and then Cortland Sutton, who may get it together, but there's something wrong with Flacco and Sutton's timing on the receiver core. And then no one behind them is doing anything. One adjustment that I did like seeing was that Philip Lindsay was more used in the game. And Quinn and I talked about on this podcast that we wanted to see more of an even split between Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. But I don't think they have that luxury. Lindsay just brings so much of a dynamic element to the game that we're just not seeing from Freeman still. And I think that for Broncos fans, you have to ask, why isn't there more talent here? Um, the offensive line, at best, and I know that they have had an injury and they paid all that money for the for James, who's injured, but uh, their center and the new guy, Risner, are the only linemen that you feel like are NFL linemen. It's just the talent isn't there. And I'm, I don't know how you know you balance between holding... John Elway responsible and just the whole ownership situation, but someone needs to tell Elway that things have to change in the way that they are developing and bringing in talent because they don't have a lot of flexibility. They don't seem to be getting better in a lot of areas and, you know, drafts keep slipping away. They drafted all of these skill positions and Philip Lindsay is far and away the best skill position and they didn't draft him. He was an unsigned camp tryout last year. So, I don't know. I To me, you can hold Elway responsible for this without firing him, but say, 
we're going to change some things in the front office. And I know that you have a trust. You don't actually have an owner. But Joe Ellis is still technically in charge of this team, even though he's not the owner. He's in charge of the trust. And if things don't get better, if this team can at least win six games, which seems like the ceiling at this point, I think they're going to have to make some major changes. The other thing that I don't get is Vic Fangio as the coach. I mean, it seems like there's a reason he wasn't a head coach before. He doesn't seem comfortable on the sideline. And he says said he was used to being in the booth, but I, I don't understand what the disconnect is here. It doesn't seem like he's enjoying this. And, you know, he's an older guy. My one thought is maybe Elway was like, I only want to be the general manager for a couple more years. Then I want to set, set, settle down a little bit, go into more of an executive role. I'll still oversee things. And he thought this was his chance to really turn things around, make a couple more runs. But I don't think anyone else in the NFL looks at this team and sees a couple more runs in their near future. The other thing is the rebuilding talk around the Broncos right now. You don't really rebuild in the NFL. That's not how it works because player turnover is so fast. You really need to be building a machine that can then replenish itself. And the good teams are able to do that um, pretty consistently year after year. I mean, you look at Seattle, they've sort of turned things around. They're a good example of Super Bowl team, lost a lot of their players. Now they're back in a place where they can at least compete for a division title and hope they can bring things together. The Broncos aren't in that conversation right now. And so far, outside of Kansas City, the Chargers have been disappointing as far as they haven't run away with things like they did last year. They're one and two. The Raiders are one and two with their only win coming against the Broncos. And on the other side of the equation, they're nowhere near the worst team in the league, despite what we've seen. The Dolphins and the Jets are much worse. The Bengals are much worse. The Steelers, without Roethlisberger, are also 0-3. So those are some problems on the AFC side. Washington's completely inept with Case Keenum as their quarterback. So that's good for Broncos fans to see. Uh, the Cardinals are only not 0-3 because they have that tie. They're 0-2-1. So there are a lot of bad teams out there. And the Broncos are you know, a middling bad team at this point because they haven't really retooled to build up the machine again. They still have a lot of the old guys in their contracts. And so they're in this middle zone. And so those are the problems I see hoping they can get things together. Maybe all of the optimism around the Broncos is right, and they'll win this week and win one of those other two games and still at least look competitive, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath for any of that. So moving on to the exciting football news of the week, the Colorado Buffaloes went into Tempe, Arizona and played the Arizona State Sun Devils to a 34-31 victory. Arizona was ranked 24th, and it was Colorado's first victory against a ranked opponent on the road since 2002. They'd lost 35 games in a row on the road against ranked opponents. It was an exciting game overall. It looked bad early because the Buffs got out to an early lead. They were up 14-0, and two of their best players went down, LaVisca Chenault and Mustafa Johnson, who has just been a beast on that defensive line. Um, despite that, you know, the Buffaloes played a really good game. They continued to hold on late, which was exciting. You know, Arizona State made a run, but the Buffs were able to hold on. Montez, 23 for 30 for three touchdowns, which was great. And then Tony Brown, nine receptions, 150 yards, and three touchdowns. This was a really a standout game for Brown. And if he can continue to do that and Chenault can come back healthy, that's a huge step forward for the Buffaloes, who have the next week off, and then they'll play Arizona at home in two weeks. Really, this was a great win for the Buffaloes, and you have to continue to like what Mel Tucker is doing. 
It doesn't feel quite as smoke and mirrors as last year's run was where the Buffs started out 5-0. and Just because they're winning in ways where it's sustainable, you feel like they're putting full games together. Both sides of the ball are doing well, and then obviously they have uh, good special teams. I'm very impressed so far with what I've seen. I don't know how this is going to work out. The bowl game still has to be in play for the Buffaloes, even though the Pac-12 seems like it's just eating itself alive right now. Um, six and six could be possible. They have a tough schedule going forward, but really exciting to see from the Buffaloes. So excited about that and glad they get a week off so that some of those guys can get healthy. Colorado Avalanche continue their preseason, um, played some games. Preseason hockey matters not really at all other than you just like to see how guys look. Um, and a lot of times the games are really frustrating. The Avs have not scored on the power play yet in the preseason, going back to rookie camp, uh, AJ over at BSN, which has now been rebranded, breaking news, um, to, hold on, let me get the letters right, DNVR. You would think it would be called Denver, and they'd just say it like a tech company, but it's not. It's just DNVR, and Adam Maris and uh, Brendan Voigt, the two guys we talked about from the Denver Stiffs, are going to DNVR. Um, AJ, who now works for DNVR, formerly BSN, uh, likes to keep track of this, and since rookie camp, the Avs have not scored a power play goal. Um, as of this recording, at least. And, you know, I think things are coming together. Of course, the cloud hanging over everyone is Miko Rantanen's contract. And I think that, you know, they're looking at what are we going to do down the road because we have all of these players who are going to, in the next few years, be up for uh, new contracts. But at the same time, Miko Rantanen is one of the few guys that you have to have on your roster, especially because the Stanley Cup window is open. And Mitch Marner signed with Toronto, and he signed for about $10 million. That's what they need to offer Miko Rantanen. What's come out is that they're offering about $8.5 million. They have no chance if they're not at least going to get into like the 9.5 range. Miko can hold out. He's playing with uh, Patrick Wyne over in Finland. And I think that this is the big storyline for the Avalanche early in the season because uh, Burakovsky has not looked great in the preseason, and he's sort of filling in on that top line right now. But they are so much better when they have the McKinnon-Rantanen combo going forward. And yes, there are going to be some problems with salary cap in the future. You have to hope that the salary cap is going to continue to go up. Additionally, when all of these free agents are going to happen, there could be another lockout. And we know that with the lockout comes salary cap relief. There's also going to be the Seattle expansion. So I understand why the Avs are being cautious, but this is not a time to be cautious. They know what the number is going to be. They're really fighting over about a million dollars, and they should be able to develop the players to replace that million-dollar player that they think they're going to have to sign at some point. So hopefully they get this done. It's looking unlikely that Miko Ranton will be on the ice next Thursday when they open the season here against the Calgary Flames. But... It needs to happen soon. Uh, there's no reason for that. Um, now we're going to bring on Aaron Davidson to talk about the collapse of the Rockies. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. How, how are things out in Chicago? They're good. It's a beautiful fall. Um, Chicago Cubs are doing an epic collapse, so I'm happy. Well, speaking of epic collapse, the last time you were on the show was at the beginning of the Rockies big downfall back in July <laughs> um, when they ended up being the worst team since the 1890s in a month where they were above 500 to start the month. 
And then they had their worst month in franchise history in August just to follow up how bad the month before was. Um, so literally you're saying their month where they were the worst in the 1800s, it got worse from that. You're yeah, saying. that yeah. was not the, the low point. For most teams, you think, oh, if you're breaking a rule, a record from the 1890s, things are bad. But not these Colorado Rockies. Not these guys. We can keep going down. So just from afar, how have you uh, processed the last the last four months of Colorado Rockies baseball? Well, I was definitely on, you know, I know you talked about this some other podcast. I was on the 100 loss watch. Um, definitely, there was definitely a time there where I felt pretty confident we were going to reach those hundred losses. Um, And then, you know, then look, we staved it off. Um, It's not, it's it's never a good thing when you're like, yeah, success. We might only have 95 losses. Um, And hey, there's a chance we could even stave that off because they've been playing better. Yeah, they're Um, they're 500 in their last 10. I mean, that that seems like a miracle unto itself. (laughs) um but it's been it's been a lot of the same you know of just frustrations of seeing um what's going on i've tried to enjoy myself in terms of you know it's that real realization these last couple weeks of september of of, i'm not going to get to watch any rockies baseball for another you know six seven months so let's take in what we can um it's been, I have enjoyed, especially maybe these last 10 games, they've been playing better. You know, some of the young kids are doing things that are turning my head a little bit. The pitching is still not exciting, um, but even a few of the young starters have done some things that it's, you know, it almost makes me think I can believe it, but this is what the Rockies do. They give you just enough to make you have faith maybe in, in, these players that are still there, but I'm ah, having that faith still feels, you know, naive at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I do think like, to me, the one success of this season has been Ryan, Ryan McMahon. He's the one where you're like, this is a guy that's going to be on the team for a long time. Um, and we weren't sure about that before. I agree. hundred percent. Um, I think Sam Hilliard and, uh, Hampson have both shown things. I think Fuentes has shown some things. I think we still think Rodgers could be on this team. To me, one of the things that they need to explore is, I mean, getting rid of Desmond and Murphy just so they can get these younger guys to play. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, there's a fictional lineup in my mind that I've thought about. Um, You know, and Murphy still, I still, you're not going to get a lot from him, but if you do trade him, he's still a solid player. You could maybe get, a fire on a reliever or a or a lower you know prospect that could still be decent and i'm okay with that because i have a fictional lineup in my mind where you know first base is either manned by mcmahon or blackman and it allows you know um either it allows either you know Hilliard to come in for potential, you know, you see if he's got that full-time thing or it allows either Rogers or Hampson, you know, Hampson has showed a little, has showed a lot the last couple of weeks. Um, so that that fictional lineup looks pretty deep. If one of those two people show up and you can maybe get something from, from a trade. Yeah, I, I agree. 
what do you think about trading Blackman right now? Because I think that that's sort of the specter over all of this. Um, I mean, it's, you know, he's had an amazing season and there's no doubt in that, like, <laughs> trade when one's value is high. Like, you know, uh, father time will come to everybody. And what is he, 32, 33? Yeah, I think he's 32. So, I mean, I still think he has another, you know, year two of solid, productive baseball in him. This might be that apex. Like, I, you know, he's, I think he's arguably pretty close to that one year where he had over, you know, 100 RBIs. Um, yeah. I don't like it because, of course, I, he's Charlie Black when he's a face. But, like, they have to trade somebody at this point. Like, you, you, you can't hoard everything. We've seen how it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I think this is they're either going to trade him this offseason or they have to just keep him because I don't think he's going to have this value again. Um, I don't I'm with you. I don't I don't like trading him, especially if for some reason you're trading him and then keeping Desmond around because Desmond has already cost them so many players that they didn't need to lose because of that contract. Um, So to me, I'd like to keep him. I see a case. But I mean, I think that this goes to a bigger issue of. I no longer can see what Jeff Breidich's plan is here, and I don't know that I trust him to fix any of the things that he's now broken over the last two years. I think his plan is Ouija boards. That's his plan. <laughs> I mean, I he's I don't know that he could have done worse with his free agent signings. Um, oh, yeah, they're bad. They're yeah. Bad. And I mean, you know, some of the pitching one, like you have to take some gambles. But to me, if I'm in charge of the Rockies at this point, I take a lot more gambles on guys that have had success but haven't had sustained success and seen which ones worked out and not these huge contracts for relievers. Um, I think, I mean, the position players have just been a disaster. Other than Para, um, really none of the people who even had his struggles for the first year or so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think, and then the pitching staff where he felt like we'll just run out the same guys again. And no one who has watched Rockies baseball over the last 25 years has seen the same pitching staff one year to the next. And there's a reason for that. Guys can't stay healthy here and you have to, you have to prepare for, you need some new guys every year just because not everyone's going to pitch the same way year after year. I think some of that's baseball, and some of that is just like understanding where you are at Coors Field. This is a question I have in terms of free agency, and you know, I I don't anticipate the Rockies being very active in free agency because they have all this month, you know, until the next year or so, where either through trades or finally the millions of dollars they spend is gone. But you know, I feel like when they have been active the past year or two they've been active you know right away i feel like the the wade signing was early in free agency the desmond signing was pretty early in free agency um some of these i feel like as the rockies have to overpay a little bit to get people to show up but what do you i mean what do you think about the like free agency has changed the past couple of years it's this weird waiting game it's nobody wants to spend money it's odd and so the rockies have kind of gone the we'll spend money first right away and then sit out part of me at this point would rather see them literally wait till the very end see who's willing see what random relievers or starters haven't gotten anything and try and 
pick up scrap heaps because and see if anything turns out at the end. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. And the best example of this is a couple years ago when they decided they offered Lucroy a contract. He said no, and then they immediately signed Chris Iannetta. And if they would have just waited, Lucroy could have gotten the same contract from them because he ended up making yeah. significantly less than what they offered. Like there was no yeah. reason for them to jump at Iannetta, and you know it cost him, you know, a catcher spot for two years. Until they just Which released Which that's, him. I guess, also even more on... I mean, I guess the hard thing is because we don't see this plan and that's how the Rockies go, you know, if something like that ever does happen, that's also a little bit then on the fan base to be like, because we're clamoring for why aren't you going, you know, you're sitting. Um, but in this new free agency, maybe it is a sit and wait and try and scoop up. But I, I, it's also hard I, as a fan to trust that they will even do that and not just like... Yeah. Sit and then get Chris Iannetta. <laughs> I agree. And I mean, I think that like the thing to me is at this point, I don't really want them to go after position players. I feel like the free agency signings I want, if any, are pitchers because I think they're younger guys. They're not getting any value from their position player signings. So in an ideal world, they release Desmond. They try to trade Murphy. If they can't, he's your utility bench guy. And you let these younger people play because it's their only chance at this point to really turn things around in the next year, I feel like, is to just trust the younger guys and then have Blackman out there. Yeah. And then you, if for some reason there's a log jam, you know, you hope they actually make a trade, you know, whether, whether going back a little bit, you know, of the trade Blackman, I feel like it's either a trade Blackman or like trade Rock. I don't know if he, his stock may be a little lower because he's hurt, but like, you know. Well, I mean, you could trade Rodgers. I think Tapia and uh, uh, what's his name? The guy that's been hurt for the last month and a half. Um, oh, David Dahl. Yeah, David Dahl. I think both of them yeah. are also options to trade. Um, and I mean, we're getting to the point where at some point they're going to have to make a decision about trading Arenado and story if they don't feel like they can re-sign them. So I think the other yeah. thing you'd like to see in this off season is them re-signing story. Um, at least so that they know what they have and then they can go to Arenado. Well, let's turn to the side of the ball that I have no idea what to do with the pitching. What, what are you thinking right now? Well, um, I mean, First thing, my question to you is: is what out of the ragtag bunch of um, of five starters who we have gracing us right now, which would be Chi Chi, Melville, um, Lambert, Hoffman, and Senzatella? Do you see any of those five being on the major league roster next year? Do you see any of them even being starters? Well, the one that I was sure I was going to say no to in August when he had his last bad start and got sent down was Jeff Hoffman. I thought we'd never see him again, but of course he came back, he's pitching better and he's just so frustrating because most of the time you're like, this guy doesn't have it. And then every now and then you're like, Oh wait, he has it. He's got it. And he, yeah. It, yeah. he just drives me crazy. Um, I don't, I don't really know what to make out of Lambert. I don't know if it was just, he was rushed into the majors or if he just, Shouldn't it be a starting pitcher? I don't I don't know what's going on there. Sinzatella, I yeah. think is that like extra pitcher you want. The like seventh guy, you know, that you're bringing up. Um 
And then I'd like to see Melville back on the team because it's been fun. Um, he'd be like <laughs> the great middle reliever you bring in, if nothing else. Um, He's like the kooky one who you want, you would think would have like weird facial hair. You yeah, know, he has exactly. the lore of the pitcher with weird facial hair. Yet he's just this big, big kind of chubby little guy. And I love that he started the season on the unaffiliated Long Island Ducks. <laughs> that must be the best team ever. We should, if if he makes the major league roster, this is what I'm asking Rockies fans: find a jersey from that team, the Long Island Ducks, and let's let's get a Melville jersey from that. <laughs> That would be great. And then I think, I mean, looking at the rest of the rotation, you know, Freeland came in and had, you know, the two inning good start. And I don't know what's going on with Marquez. Like he, he had a drop off, but there wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like Freeland where it was like, he lost his command. It was just like, he's not as good. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it felt almost like a focus thing a little bit more. Yeah. Or just a baseball thing. (laughs) So I think that 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 was really frustrating in a lot of ways. And I mean, you know, the the bullpen with all of those contracts and you're like Diaz has been the one guy that's really emerged as as a guy that you're excited about and you know, he's he's a late start there, so that's been that's been weird. Oberg, you know, hopefully he'll come back. He's been pretty consistent. I don't think that Davis will be as bad as he was, um, but I, I guess there's always the chance that's going to happen. Um, but they really, you know, there are just so many question marks, and they just need so many things to happen. My favorite quote I saw this year was someone that said, I really love Carlos Estevez when he's not giving up home runs, which is like <laughs> really his main problem is he can just come in and lose a game so quickly. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, speaking of home runs, you know, brings the question of, in terms of pitching, will baseball do something about these these baseballs? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the real question, because if they don't, I don't know. I don't really know what the Rockies do if they bring back the same baseballs with the with the laces that are that are very thin. I think that that. Um, that I've seen some people say that that may be one of the problems with Davis this year was that he he had such a hard time adjusting and all the pitchers were getting blisters earlier in the year because they were trying to grip the ball <laughs> to feel it. Um, but I think I think that that is a real question. And did you see that that article by Dave Krieger that that was in the newsletter about about the baseballs? Yes, that was that was. Um... It felt it was essentially an article about creating high altitude baseballs, um, which I thought was brilliant. And I not even just from a I'm a Rockies fan standpoint, but I didn't even realize <clears throat> the article talked about that other sports do that. There are high altitude tennis balls. And you played um, tennis in high school. And I had no idea. I know. I truly I think I probably if any times now I could have known if balls were bouncing over my head, I would have I would have called you know, made the the umpire look at those balls and said, "Those are uh, those are low altitude balls." And then they'd say, "No, you're just short." It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think there is an element of like figuring out Coors Field all over again if they're not going to change the baseballs, which I think they will, just because 
I mean, things have swung so far to the home run strikeout thing. It's it's making people lose attention. Um, the three reliever, the three batter per re- reliever rule is going to come into effect next year, which I'm uh, excited oh. for because I'm tired of all the pitching changes. Um, so that's something else to think about just in the, how they're building their roster. Nice. So that's even less exciting in my mind if we see, you know, well, Brian Shaw's going to have to pitch to three people. People, everybody. Yeah, you're only going to want to see like that one guy. You'll be like, if he's coming in with two outs, you have a chance. If he's not, this is going to be a long. Oh, because you can end an inning. Yeah, and you, then yeah, you can end an inning. You just you can't just come in for the first out and then leave. Oh man, oh man, <laughs> you just gave me new anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That is like in some ways that is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> just like the three batter minimum, and just like like looking and being like, wait, those are the next three batters. We're bringing in this guy. So. That that's when I wonder if there's going to be weird things like, oh, Shaw gave up a home run, just intentionally walk the next <laughs> two. I'm just excited. That'll be a new chant we can yell out yeah the guy that gives up three home runs in a row and then gets taken out and it's like we would have taken him out after two but we can't now like the the rockies (laughs) had one of those games a couple weeks ago where the guy gave up two home runs and didn't get it out oh boy well i mean where where if anywhere is your optimism coming for next year right now you know i think my optimism it lies in some of these young players, you know, uh, be it Hilliard, be it um, McMahon, uh, maybe a Rogers, you know, a lot of those position players. Um, I think it lies in, you know, the fact that it could happen, but it's very unlikely that whatever our five opening day starters will be for next year, that all five of them will end up being on the DL <laughs> at the same time. That is like, true. Um, so, so, you know, it's kind of like when you've hit rock bottom and you still aren't a 100 loss team, you still might not be a 95 loss team, you know, at least we're not the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, that is true. That's about it. I think, you know, they haven't been like... And I mean, the thing that I don't get about the Orioles is like, you can't really lose to get better. Like, yes, you get higher draft picks, but I mean, the Rockies... Yeah, have that had, doesn't work in baseball. Yeah, espe- I mean, especially for the Rockies. What's his name? The the really bad number one pick that they had. Mark, uh, Greg Reynolds. The Greg Reynolds experiment. Oh, God. Um, well, I mean, I think that you're right. Like it, they at least should be able to hold things together better than they did this year. I don't and know you that still they'll have win more games. Story, Arenado, and potentially Black. Like you still have three legitimate all stars. You know that you get to see. Yeah, play play a beautiful game. Well, I'm ready for the winter. I'm ready. I'm ready yeah, for me too. the Rockies to not play for a while, but, um, but I guess enjoy the last week. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're having a, in ominous trade terms Friday night, which is fireworks night is also Charlie Blackman appreciation night with a t-shirt. So 
I don't know if that. Oh. <laughs> that's probably not a good sign for keeping him. <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much for calling in. Um, enjoy those Avs and Nuggets games that uh, we're going to be blacked out from with your TV packages over there. We'll be. I know. Take that. <laughs> I uh, I'm definitely going to come up with like a guide to how to get around the altitude blackout at some point. <laughs> As Quinn says, just find the random, you know, like, Ukrainian stream. <laughs> I wish we could get Ukrainian announcers. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. You too.